I'm Moroni Jessup, and you're listening to Gospel Tangents. The best source for Mormon history, science, and theology, and first daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. You know, September is here, and it's the 30th anniversary of the September 6th. Well, we're going to be talking about that this month, but I've got a special guest on, uh, Moroni Lopez Jessup. He's a TikTok star and uh, host of the channel uh, Punk Rock Polygamist. So I'm excited to have him on. Moroni's got quite a story, and uh, we're going to talk about polygamy, especially a group probably most of you haven't heard of. I hadn't heard of it until this interview called the Thompsonites. So it's going to be a great conversation. And uh, so... You know, it kind of fits in here with September with excommunications. I guess it's kind of excommunication month. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a fun conversation with Moroni. You won't want to miss it. Check it out. Welcome to Gospel Tangents. I'm excited to have a native-born fundamentalist. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite? Oh, okay. Well, we're going to find out more. Tell us your name and where we are. My name is uh, Moroni Jessup, and uh, I am an independent Mormon fundamentalist, but I was actually raised in the LDS Church. Oh, okay. There's a lot of people that like that. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you grow up? I grew up uh, actually between Utah and Arizona, and uh, it kind of throws people off because I have the right last name to be raised a fundamentalist, which is Jessup. But my particular branch of the Jessup family was actually in the LDS Church. Oh, okay. So, That's cool. And then we, we, as a family, wound up converting to fundamentalism a lot later. Okay. So Utah-Arizona border, is this like Short Creek area? or No. Uh, my family actually, uh, I grew up in a, uh, a uh, town just south of Phoenix called uh, uh, Casa Grande. But if you're from there, you say Casa Grande. But uh, but in Spanish, it's Casa Grande, and that's where I grew up. Okay. So out in the middle of the desert. Okay. Okay. And so you grew up LDS. Um, yeah. So you grew up in the LDS church. Did you serve a mission and that sort of a thing? No. Um, so I kind of got to go a little bit further back. So uh, so my, my uh, namesake, Moroni Jessup, was one of the first uh, members of the fundamentalist movement back in the 1920s through the 1950s. But uh, my grandfather wound up going back um, to the LDS Church. So my dad served uh, a mission for the LDS Church in Mexico. And uh, when he came back, he did what most LDS people do. He went to BYU. And while he was in BYU, for the first time, he came across some of his uh, fundamentalist Jessup relatives. And he decided to go on a quest to prove them wrong. A.K.A. Brian Hales. <laughs> yeah, so he used his BYU time um, to uh, access the special collections section of, of the, oh. the BYU library, studying controversial doctrines and materials, and he wound up becoming converted to Mormon fundamentalism. Oh, wow. This was your dad, you said? This was my dad. Okay. But it took him like, um, it took him like uh, 20 years because he got threatened with excommunication he got reprimanded, and uh, and uh, it, it was 20 years later until he started directly teaching us, and uh, it all just kind of happened at once. We had... Uh, um, so wait a minute. He went to BYU. He was LDS. 
started right. studying stuff in the library that he shouldn't have been studying. Right. <laughs> and then, so he must have gotten married in the meantime. Did he get yes. married at BYU? Um, well, he married my, he met my mother while he was on his mission. And, uh, then in Mexico. Being, uh, well, my mother actually, uh, she's from Mexico, but she actually grew up in the Phoenix area. And uh, she attended the Spanish-speaking wards there and everything. Back then, in those days, the only temple that Mexicans had available was um, in Mesa. So people yeah. from Mexico used to have to travel from Mexico up to Mesa in order to attend the temple. So they used to hold once a year what they called the Lamanite Conference. And the Lamanite Conference was when all the people in Mexico would come to take out their endowments. And it was at this conference that my dad met my mom. They got married, and uh, then they started, uh, when my dad started making the studies. That in the Mesa doing, Temple, I assume. Yes, okay. actually in the Mesa Temple. But uh, when he started studying at BYU, my mom got kind of concerned about some of the things that he was studying. <laughs> and, With uh, good reason, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, right. So uh, she wrote a letter to the church president then, which was Harold B. Lee. Oh, and, uh, wow. So my dad got called in to see Marky Peterson. Uh-oh. And Marky Peterson was the general authority that was assigned to reprimand and, I don't know what the word is, punish? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, so my dad had been studying doctrines like um, the Adam-God doctrine. Yeah. And he knew that Brigham Young and uh, some of the earlier brethren had directly taught this principle. When my dad met with Marky Peterson, Marky Peterson basically lied. I mean, I don't know how else you can put it, and said that they never taught that. Here my dad had been reading books like Women and Mormondom, so he knew that it had been in a doctrine of the early church. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was very, very chagrined and uh, just really upset that a general authority had just lied to him. Not only lied to him, but threatened him with excommunication. So uh, my dad had seen other families who had gone through excommunication, and he was afraid of that happening to us. And uh, so for 20 years, he stayed silent. Um, and, uh, you know, allowed his family to continue going to church. And I remember at that time that uh, I uh, tried not to go to church like my dad. My dad would stay home in some, some sort of silent protest. And I would say, why do I have to go to church? You don't go to church. And he'd say, I tell you what, son, until you put as much study into the gospel as I have, you're going to church. <laughs> then you can make a decision. But until then, you need to go to church. Oh, that's interesting. So um, at that point, um, he, uh, and I do want to say, since we're going to talk about the race issue, yeah, I do want to point out that uh, from 1978 on, my dad never attended the temple, which, of course, 1978 is when they opened up uh, the temple and the opportunity to receive priesthood to all uh, uh, members, regardless of color or race. So... Uh, he, as a protest? As a protest. He was one of those uh, that believed in the priesthood ban, believed that it should be continued. and uh, Which is I, a very fundamentalist doctrine. Which is a very fundamentalist doctrine. But I do want to point out that in spite of this, you know, um, he always, you know, I come from a mixed race family. It was very unusual in the 1960s mm -hmm. for somebody who is white to marry somebody who is uh BIPOC, somebody who's uh, a different race. Hispanic in this case. Hispanic. And my, my mother was 
indigenous Mexican, and so it was very unusual at that time. And in fact, uh, my grandmother, um, when my dad was getting ready to marry my mother, uh, took him aside and said, I don't think we should marry a little Mexican girl. And my dad said, we're not marrying a little Mexican girl, mom, I am. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, he did kind of try to teach us and instruct us and he never tolerated racial slurs. He never tolerated any kind of um, speech that would be inflammatory against members of other races. Yet, he still believed implicitly in the, in the priesthood ban in uh, that particular um, restriction. He maintained that belief, and he never set foot inside of an LDS temple at, at post-1978. Wow. So. Hmm. Well, so, all right. So he got married at B, well, while he was a student at BYU, is that right? Yes. So back in the 60s, it sounds like? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. So he got married in the 60s, starts doing all this fundamentalist research, becomes converted, uh did he leave the LDS church at some point? No, yeah, he did. But, you know, the way I remember it is that uh, my dad was always getting in trouble for stuff that he would say in, um, in priesthood meeting. You know, he was, uh, he was a 70. You know, that was back when the 70s were. Yeah, my dad was a 70 as well. Yeah, in the local wards and the local stakes. And I remember that uh, he was always having the 70s leader come to the, our house on Sunday, take him into the bedroom and have a talking to him, getting after him for something that he said. And not only that, he was teaching us these doctrines. I was the only 10-year-old in Sunday school that brought up the Adam-God doctrine in class. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, uh, now I have a little bit of understanding. Uh, it was something that my dad had taught us, and I didn't realize at that time that that was something that... Uh, at 10, you wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, uh, I wound up talking about that, and I just remember that my teacher just kind of, wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> now, that reminds me because uh, Benjamin Schaefer, who's in the Christ Church. Yeah, I, I know Ben. Um, he said that Adam God is in I am a child of God. <laughs> Do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I never thought about it that way, but that's a good point. I think I'll start using that argument from now on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it shouldn't have gotten you in trouble at the time, a child of God, right? <laughs> no, but uh, so anyway, he uh, um, he uh, there was a they, he came to a certain point. Uh, you know, uh, my dad used even though we were never part of the FLDS. When he started studying, um, uh, when he started studying fundamentalism, he made it a point to go see a lot of his Jessup relatives, even those who were part of, uh, at that time, Leroy Johnson's um, FLDS, you know, the Short Creek, uh, Colorado City people. So, which is on the Utah Arizona border. Utah Arizona border. How far was this from where you grew up? Oh, it was uh, probably about three and a half hour drive. That's what I thought. It's a yeah. distance. Because yeah. you were south of Phoenix, is that right? Yeah, we were south of Phoenix, but, you know, we had relatives in Utah. So a couple of times a year, we used to drive through there. And uh, periodically, uh, we would stop. Well, not just periodically. Almost every time 
as a kid, when we were on our way to Utah, we would stop in Colorado City. Oh, wow. And see some of, like, the old timers, like Uncle Fred, Uncle Virgil, and those are names that are well-known to people from the FLDS community. And, and uh, I, uh, I knew that they were living polygamy, but, it, I, you know, I didn't really understand what, was, what I was seeing. The only thing I remember is that I didn't think that they were Mormon because they drank coffee in the mornings. Oh. And, uh, you know, fundamentalists are a little more lax with the word of wisdom. So when I saw them drinking coffee, I was like, no, these people aren't Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, he wanted to learn and he wanted to discuss with them. And I think that he uh, had an experience um, where uh, he saw some of these old timers uh, in his dream and the old timers were um, speaking with somebody. When he got closer, he saw that they were speaking with Christ. And uh, he said that Christ was telling them, he said, your, your names will be a hiss and a byword to those because you stood up for my principle. The and, principle uh, of polygamy. The principle of polygamy. So from that point on, he felt like he was being called to direct his family more towards Mormon fundamentalism. And so he started actively um, teaching us, instructing us, and uh, so the way that looked is that um, this is this is before or after Mark Peterson. Oh, this is after. This is like almost twenty. When Mark Marky Peterson, that story, I was a baby. Now this, I'm a teenager. Okay, you know? and uh, so uh, we started. Uh, we would attend LDS church, and then um, in the afternoons, he would hold like a cottage meeting. And he used to tell us at that point, he had, from that point on, he said, as long as you're living in my home, you have to either attend LDS sacrament meeting or you can settle for going to, to our cottage meeting or you can do both, but you have to go to at least one or the other. You know? hmm. <clears throat> so did that get you off the hook from going to church? I actually persisted in going um, right until the end, right until I was excommunicated. Okay. But I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. I got ex there's, uh, there's a little preview right spoiler. there. Spoiler. <laughs> so, Won't be the first time. <laughs> so uh, yeah. so uh, what happened is that uh, we got hit from multiple sides. We, uh, As a high school student, we had a friend who was non-Mormon who was taking lessons from the missionaries. Okay. She asked a question about plural marriage from the missionaries and got one answer. <laughs> <laughs> then she asked about plural marriage from us, from, you know, me when, and my siblings. When the missionaries weren't there. Yeah. <laughs> and so it confused her. And so she went to one of the high school teachers who happened to be LDS, uh -oh. who happened to report us. And then uh, another incident. And the high school teacher agreed with the missionaries, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. He, in fact... I mentioned earlier that my dad had a uh, 70s quorum uh, leader, the high school teacher, same guy. Oh, really? <laughs> the one who uh -oh. was getting after my dad. So anyway, um, at that point. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering if Alice Cooper is going to fit in this somewhere. <laughs> well, Do you know the story about Alice Cooper? Yeah, well, he, he came from uh, a... Uh, Mormon background and bigger tonight that, actually yeah he was from that part of Arizona so, yeah yeah and th th that was something that I never knew until a lot later okay so, but yeah I'd, I'd love to shoot the breeze with Alice no Cooper kidding I'm about, trying to get uh, that too. talk about Mormonism <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, anyway so uh, so then uh, one of my sisters 
had been documenting in her personal journal the things that my dad was teaching us. And then she went to a young women's activity, a sleepover, and she left the journal there. And uh, one of her young women leaders picked it up and uh, read it. Lame. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, so we were getting bombarded from like multiple um, areas at once. And the next thing you know, my dad was facing an excommunication trial. Oh. And uh, so he wound up being cut off from the church. Was this in the 80s? This was like late 80s. Oh, late 80s. 1988 when this happened. Oh, wow. I was in high school at this point. And then, uh, and then uh, from that point on, they called my mother and my oldest brother. My oldest brother had held the Melchizedek priesthood. He was an elder. And, uh, and they excommunicated them also. So uh, I guess I should back up and say that uh, there was a guy in our ward who was kind of high up and rubbed elbows with the general authorities. He had been a uh, he had been on a foreign um, he was the mission president for on a foreign mission, and then when he came back and found out that there were these quasi fundamentalists in his ward, he wasn't going to have any of that. So he wound up uh, protesting to Salt Lake, informing Salt Lake, and so the word got back from uh, Salt Lake to excommunicate all of us, the whole family, the whole family, and this is like. Because you have come from a big family, don't you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm I'm uh, one of nine children. Now, so your mother, was she going along with fundamentalism at this time? Because at first she sounded like she was pretty worried. At first she wasn't. And, uh, you know, my parents um, would argue a lot about religion, but they never argued once in front of us children. But it was palpable, the tension. I would come home and... My parents would be um, in the living room, and I could tell that they had just had a debate about something. And that's the way I remember it. And I remember at that time, I had a hard time with it, too, because I knew that it had to do with fundamentalism. I knew that it had to do with plural marriage, and I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I could see that it was causing my mother heartache. And, uh, but uh, my mother had a deceased brother uh, who had died of uh, a brain tumor just a few years earlier. But uh, he had, uh, he had uh, been like a former like East LA gangbanger. Oh. And uh, had actually converted to the church, served a mission for the church, lived his life in the church, and then, was, then passed away of cancer. Well, he came to my mother in a dream one night and he told her in Spanish, you know, he said, he said that this principle that your husband is studying is true. And if I had ever had a chance to live this while I was on the earth, I would have. Wow. And so uh, my mother did like a whole, you know, 180 after that. She, really? Uh, she, she woke up from that dream and she was 100% converted. And uh, it wasn't until I saw that my mom was okay with it that, uh, that uh, I, I kind of... I kind of thought, well, you know, maybe there is something to this. I, I mm. became a little more open-minded when I saw that it wasn't causing my mother pain and heartache. So uh, they excommunicated my mother, they excommunicated my brother, and then they excommunicated all of us, even my 13-year-old sister. Really? So, yeah. We, uh, and the way That's it, uh, shocking to me. My dad was in communication with the bishop, and I was at that age when I had just graduated high school, and I was ready to go on a mission. Oh boy. 
And, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, I have to put a little caveat on that. I was kind of a wild kid at that point. You know, I, uh, I was probably engaged in a lot of activities that, that uh, missionaries, shouldn't. missionaries shouldn't be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but yet, you know, deep down I still believed, and I believed what my dad was teaching us. And uh, my dad went and had a conversation with the bishop, and the bishop, uh, he said, you know, Moroni wants to go on a mission. You know, and uh, he's indicated that he won't teach any of this stuff if he goes on a mission. But I still got called in. Um, my brother and I were going to move away to Utah at the time. And I guess I should say my dad could see that I was kind of going wild. And, uh, I mean, just to illustrate, my, me and my friends were in the process of... Uh, we were going to open up a nightclub and, oh, uh, with alcohol, uh, with alcohol. You know, uh, uh, I was more interested in the music at that time. You know, I wanted, uh, I wanted a place that had really awesome music. And so I had a choice between opening a club or my dad gave me the option of moving to Utah and going to college with my polygamous uncle who lived there. Um, he was an independent and, uh, and he, he offered to pay for my tuition if I'd moved to Utah. Oh, wow. I figured that this was a way to get me in. You know. Now, which school? Uh, well, uh, my younger brother went with me. He went to uh, University of Utah. I went to Salt Lake Community College. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, um, I, uh, he gave me this choice, and I decided to pick up uh, to select moving to um, Utah. So we were getting ready. The bishop heard that we were going to move, and so he called us in, and uh, and uh, um, he called both me and my brother in for a trial. So we went in one September, you know, sunny September morning, Saturday. The bishop was the only one in the building, and he invited us in and sat us down and asked us two questions. One was, uh, do you believe that Ezra Taft Benson is the prophet, seer, and revelator, and the only man on the earth who holds the keys. And by that point, I had to say no. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah. That was the wrong answer. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then the other question was, um, was uh, do you believe that plural marriage should be taught, practiced, and lived in this day and age? And I said yes. So, you know, that was two strikes right there, you know. And so uh, we moved up to Utah in with my polygamous uncle, and uh, then um, we, uh, I got a letter, like we're talking about like a month later, I got a letter. I got both the invitation to my trial oh. and the results to my trial, both on the same, same day. I was tried in absentia. Really? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I remember that. Is that okay if you're a polygamist that we can just, you know, we don't need to have you there? Well, they had, they had uh, permission from Salt Lake to do that. <laughs> so it was already given. There didn't need to be a trial. But I've had LDS people come to me afterwards when I've told them what happened, and they, they were like, they, they indicate to me that I could probably have challenged that decision. Yeah. But it's kind of too late now. I mean, I, I already lived polygamy. I already, you know, it's, it's a foregone conclusion that, you know. But at the same time, I was really bitter against the church for a long time. I mean, like, like uh, I used to... Okay, when, uh, when I moved to Utah, I'm 20 years old, I'm freshly excommunicated, and for fun, 
I was going with other fundamentalist kids to Temple Square to argue with the missionaries. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, and I actually look back at that, and, and I kind of cringe, actually. You know, it's funny to tell, but I actually cringe at that now because there was no intent behind it other than to lash out. Right. You know? But, uh, you know, uh, they say that time heals all wounds, and... I don't feel bitter towards the LDS Church, you know. I don't feel bitter towards mm. uh, towards uh, you know mainstream LDS at all. You know, I wish them the best in in everything that they do. Uh, if things happen that occur that I don't particularly agree with, I'll speak up. But I don't speak critically of the LDS Church any mm. longer. So, well, that's impressive. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Moroni Jessup. In our next conversation, we're going to talk about where he encountered racism for the first time in his life. That was kind of odd for me. You know, I had never really experienced racism growing up in Arizona. I mean, I knew it existed, but I had never been exposed to it or seen it directly until I moved to Utah, of all places, Hmm. you know. If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, subscribe on either Patreon or at GospelTangents.com. For just $5 a month, you can hear the entire audio uninterrupted. On our $10 tier, if you'd like to see the whole video, you can see that uh, either on YouTube.com slash GospelTangents, or I've got a special Facebook group devoted for uh, full videos. So subscribe at GospelTangents.com and uh, sign up for just $10 a month. For $20 a month, if you'd like to get some bonus content, uh, maybe some of the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor, you can sign up for that. And then if you'd like to talk to me for $100 a month, we'll, we'll do a monthly phone call on something like Zoom, and you can ask me anything you want. So thanks again. Also, don't forget about the merch, mugs, T-shirts, um, hats, things like that. I'm trying to get the ties up there. Hopefully I can get up up there. And uh, thanks again for watching Gospel Tangents. And click here for some more videos.